Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us from Exodus about inadequacies in our lives by showing how Moses asked God, like a patient to a doctor, Who am I? This message is available for free download at friendshipwithgod.org. Now, before we begin today's teaching program from the book of Exodus, Tom Cantor would like to personally invite you to come out to the Creation and Earth History Museum and our Museum Day that's happening Saturday, September 28th. That's Saturday, September 28th from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. Saturday, September 28th from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum, and that's in Santee, California. So make your plans to come out here. You can get more information at our website, creationsd.org. This is going to be a great museum day as we have many guest speakers that will be there. One of them will be Tom Cantor himself. We'll also have Dr. Gary Parker, also Dan Breeding, the Animal Man, and the cast and crew of Jonathan Park for a live performance, as well as Russ Miller, Dr. Randy Galiza, Dr. John Morris, and Ray Comfort. Great speakers that are going to be there for the Museum Day on September 28th, again from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. Now, this year's focus is on kids, and we've got activities that include the launch of new kids' exhibits. We'll have petting zoos, creeping things reptile encounter, face paintings, balloon artists, raffles, foods, refreshment, and more. We even have Chick-fil-A sponsoring the event. Now, again, we want to invite you out Saturday, September 28th from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. Now, this is the world's first creation museum that Tom Cantor owns and operates, and it's the second largest in the country and in the world. And Tom Cantor would like you to see this expanded creation history museum on Museum Day, Saturday, September 28th. Now, we've got the six days of creation. We've also got a human anatomy wing and a life-size tabernacle theater display presentation that's done by Tom Cantor. It's one of a kind, can't be found anywhere else. Now, the museum is located at 10946 Woodside Avenue North in Santee, California. You can go to creationsd.org, creationsd for San Diego, creationsd.org to learn more information or call 1-800-247-3051. That's 1-800-247-3051. Again, make your plans to join us on Saturday, September 28th at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Again, go to creationsd.org for more information or 1-800-247-3051. Now remember, the Friendship with God radio program messages from Tom Cantor are always available free for listening and free download at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Now here's Tom Cantor as we begin today's study from the book of Exodus every Thursday and Friday. Again, I'd like to thank you for joining us today as we continue in our study in the book of Exodus. We've been having a wonderful time as we've been studying God and Moses and the Jewish people. And just uh, before we continue in our study, let's first of all look to God in prayer. Father, Father, open the eyes of our understanding. Touch our hearts. Take a dullness away. Take the insensitivity away. Take the distractions from us. Lord, as the song goes, may the things of this world now grow strangely dim in the light of your glory and grace. Lord, let your Bible be to us glory and grace. We thank you for hearing us in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, we've been talking about how Moses was called by God, and he didn't know what he was getting himself into totally, although he had some idea, because it was the Jewish people had been a little hard on him. As they said to him, who made you a judge over us? Wilt thou uh, kill us like you did the Egyptians? Eh, A little hard. But God and Moses had entered into this wonderful partnership. 
that we are so privileged to read about thousands of years ago, but still relevant today. Why? It's what he wants to do with us. God wants to be in partnership with us. So, we'll look now in Exodus 3, and we read these things. Again, we'll look at verse 8. And I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, to bring them up out of that land unto a good land, and a large unto a land flowing with milk and honey, unto the place of the Canaanites, and the Hittites, and the Amorites, and the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Now, therefore, behold the cry of the children of Israel has come unto me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And Moses said unto God, Who am I, that I should go unto Pharaoh, and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, Certainly I will be with thee, and this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee. When thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God upon this mountain. Now, those words, those words in verse 10, when God said to Moses, Come now, therefore, that was an invitation. That was God's invitation to Moses. It was an invitation to Moses to enter into a partnership with God. Whoa, what's something? God, the king of the universe, the Adonalom, the ruler of the universe, the creator of everything. God has said to Moses, Moses, I invite you to enter into a partnership with me. Be my ambassador. I will send you. And that's what we have from those words. Come now, therefore. It's God's invitation to Moses to enter into this partnership. A partnership with a purpose. What's the purpose? Bring the Jewish people, my people. God calls them my people. Bring my people, my Jewish people, out of Egypt into Canaan. That's the partnership. That's the invitation that God is making to Moses to enter into. God and Moses in business together to bring the Jewish people out of Egypt into Canaan. And when Moses agreed, God knew what would be ahead. He knew what would be ahead because those words so important in Romans 11.2. God hath not cast away his people, which he foreknew. So important, those words. Which he foreknew. Whom he foreknew. He knew. He knew. God knew. That's what God is. He knows. He's omniscient. He knows. He knows what was in front of Moses. You know, he knew what Moses' journey was going to be like. Didn't tell him because he wanted, didn't want Moses to be discouraged. So he knew. And he knew that Moses would be brought to the breaking point. Not once, many times, by the Jewish people. And God knew that Moses would need a special preparation for what was ahead. And the greatest preparation that Moses would need would be to know and to constantly be able to be reminded of that God has sent Moses. And that's the point that the Jewish people would hit the hardest on Moses. Moses would be driven by the Jewish people to the breaking point where he would doubt, have I really been sent by God? Has God really sent me? Am I really sent by God? That's the reason why God gave him this token in verse 12. So you want to think of it this way? Look at it this way. Picture God and Moses. They're starting off together in this partnership. They're starting off together down this road. The road is to bring the Jewish people out of Egypt. The road goes to Egypt. They're going to get the Jewish people. The road leaves Egypt. They're going to get them out of Egypt. The road goes, and it's heading toward Canaan, and that's the purpose to bring them 
out of Egypt into Canaan. So picture God and Moses, and they're getting ready for their journey together, for their work together, and picture God kind of packing up Moses' backpack for him. So God's packing Moses' backpack for him because they're going to work together, and now picture God, and he's picking up this token, a sign, and he's putting it in Moses' backpack. And Moses says, what's that? And God says, it's a token. It's a sign. It's a token. You need it. And Moses says, what a token for what? And God says, it's a token to remind you. Remind me of what? Remind you that I sent you. The token is to remind you, Moses, that I sent you. Trust me, pal. You're going to need this token. You're going to need this token more than once. Because I know what you're going to face. And you're going to need the token to remind yourself that I've sent you. God knew Moses is going to be driven by the Jewish point to doubt if he was really sent by God. Therefore, God, knowing that those times were coming and that his servant Moses is going to be taken right to the brink, right to the breaking point, right to the end of his rope, therefore God prepared Moses and he gave him this wonderful token, put it in his backpack, put it in his mind. It was a private thing, very private. It was a private token between God and Moses. No one else, just God and Moses. And the token has to do with a place. What's the place? The place was called, in verse 12, this mountain. This mountain. So God told Moses, look, there's going to be a scene, Moses, and you're going to see it with your eyes. A picture, if you want to call it that. And you're going to bring all this people out of Egypt, and you're going to be standing here by this mountain with all these people, and you'll be serving God. And when you see that, capture that photo in your mind, because that's the token. And when you see that, you'll know you were sent by God because I told you. And that was going to be the token or just the little sign that God gave to Moses, private, secret, just between God and Moses. Because there's one thing that Moses really needed to know, really needed to be assured of, really needed to be confident of, really needed to be reminded of when the times got really, really hard, and that was that he was really sent by God. And when the people under you, he was gonna, God's going to say to Moses, listen, Moses, when the people under you are going to be the way I can see they're going to be, you're going to need this. Now, Moses, if the people under you obeyed, and they were responsive, then you don't need the token. Because the token, you know, you'll, you'll be confident I've been sent by God. Look at the response, I'm sent by God. But that's not the case. I mean, if all the Jewish people that you brought the gospel to responded and received the Lord Jesus Christ, it'd be really easy for you to be assured and confident that you were sent by God to them. But... When all the Jewish people don't respond and they don't appreciate when you bring them the gospel and they say, we Jewish people don't proselytize other people like you do. And when they accuse you of being a murderous crusader and when they accuse you of being a Nazi and a Muslim and and wanting to destroy them, and that's not exactly the response you are looking for to receive the Lord Jesus Christ, then you'll doubt. You'll doubt. If you're really sent by God, if you're really aware you should be, if you should be here, God knew this. This is what Moses faced. And what about when the people under you, Moses, Moses, what are you going to do? When the people I'm sending to you to, when they stop obeying, when they become rebellious, and you're going to find that, Moses, then you're going to be tempted to really doubt, am I sent by God? And what about when the lost Jewish people reject the gospel, reject you, tell you, let's be friends, but don't talk about this. 
like my cousin. Tommy, do you always have to talk about Jesus Christ? I know he died for my sin, she says. When they tell you that, and they tell you, don't proselytize, we don't proselytize. Like the message I got today. I know you're trying to convert me, my Jewish friend. No, you're trying to convert me. It'll never happen. If it ever does, I'll be so sad and so... T- and when all these things in your people you care about, then you're naturally tempted to doubt, am I really sent by God? And that's when it's really, really important to know you are sent by God. Moses, this is going to be very, very important because the point is, is that success in God's work is not measured by people obeying God or responding by receiving the Lord Jesus Christ. That's not an indication. That was what Paul was bringing this out. This is the issue that Paul was really addressing. I mean, we love Romans 10. Romans 10 and 9, a favorite verse of mine. It goes on to talk about uh, calling on the name of the Lord. With the mouth, confession is made, and uh, the heart, man believes. Well, Romans 10 goes on a little bit further than that. And in the 13th verse, it says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? How then? How shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? See, this is all the hows. How are they going to call on him that they haven't believed in? How are they going to believe in him if they haven't heard of him? How are they going to hear without a preacher? How is someone going to preach without being sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Keep this place here in Romans 10, but remember, in Exodus 3.8, God laid out for Moses the overall goal of the mission. The mission, Exodus 3.8. I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land unto a good land, unto a good land and a large, unto a land flowing with milk and honey. That's the mission. The goal of the mission is to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land unto a good land. That mission was twofold. There were two parts to it. Number one, to bring them up out of that land. Number two, unto a good land and a large land. The mission was twofold. It was to bring the Jewish people out of the land of Canaan. Number one, it was to bring the Jewish people out of the land of Egypt. Number two, it was to bring them into the land of Canaan. There were two parts, out of Egypt into Canaan. That was the twofold mission. That's what they had to do. That mission would not be complete until both parts of the goal were accomplished. In order for the mission to have been accomplished, all of the Jewish people had to be brought out of the land of Egypt and all of the Jewish people had to be brought into the land of Canaan. That's what you would understand when you heard the words if you were Moses. That's what Moses understood when he heard the words of God in verse 8. That's what I understand. The mission is twofold. And in order for the mission to be a success, all of the Jewish people had to be brought out of Egypt and all of the Jewish people had to be brought into Canaan. And if all of the Jewish people were not brought out of Egypt and into Canaan, then the mission would have been a failure. And if Moses did not bring all of the Jewish people out of Egypt and into Canaan, he would have been a failure. And if Moses would have brought all of the Jewish people out of Egypt and only half or 50% 
of the Jewish people into Canaan, then Moses would have succeeded by 50% and failed by 50%. So we can measure how much Moses succeeded and how much Moses failed by how many Jewish people were brought out of Egypt and brought into Canaan. And let's do the measurement. Let's do the measurement and find out how much Moses succeeded and how much Moses failed. All right? It's very simple. We ask the question, how many of the Jewish people did Moses bring out of Egypt? First part of the mission. All of them. Answer, all of them. Moses brought 100% of all the Jewish people out of Egypt. Millions of Jewish people. Some have estimated 2.5 million. All right? Let's talk about those Jewish people who were above the age of accountability. And let's be very conservative about the age of accountability. We won't say the age of bar mitzvah. We won't say the age of of 13. Let's be very conservative and we'll say the age of 20. So we'll say, all right, the age of accountability is 20 years old. So out of the 2.5 million people, the 2.5 million Jewish people, let's say about I don't know, one and a half million maybe were above the age of accountability of 20 years old. Let's just focus. Let's just focus on those Jewish people who were above the conservative age of accountability of 20 years old, which let's say there were about one and a half million Jewish people like that. So Moses was able to bring out of Egypt 100% of all the Jewish people who were above the age of accountability by one and a half million. Now, If Moses was only able to bring 750,000 of them, or 50%, into Canaan, then Moses would have succeeded by 50%, and Moses would have failed by 50%. I mean, after all, isn't that how we think? I mean, isn't that really what a rescue is all about? I mean, when a firefighter goes in and he says, there are 10 people in that burning building, and he goes in and he risks his life, and the others risk their life, and they go into the building and they come out with five people, what do you think they think? We succeeded by 50%, we failed by 50%. That's what you do. After all, isn't that what the people think? What do you think MacArthur thought? MacArthur thought when he was told, you've got to go evacuate, he says, I've got to evacuate my soldiers from the Philippines during the war with Japan because I've got to leave. And so MacArthur thinks he succeeds or he fails or he measures his success, measures his failure based on the number of men he's able to get out of the Philippines into safety compared to the total number of soldiers that are there in the Philippines. Now, if MacArthur was not able to get all of his soldiers out, people could say, MacArthur would say, I succeeded and I failed. Even though people would go to MacArthur and they would say, they'd say, don't say that. Don't say that. He says, it wasn't your fault. You did the best you can. MacArthur would never listen. The firemen will never listen. Because MacArthur, the firemen, they always have the same thought. The same thoughts come to their mind. Oh, if I just would have, maybe if I did, what if I thought, oh, if I had just done this, if I had just done that differently, I could have saved some others, and the numbers would have been different. And those of his soldiers that he was not able to rescue, those of the people in the building that the firemen were not able to save, will always weigh on them. They'll always weigh, if the firemen are sensitive and MacArthur's sensitive, they'll always weigh on him. They'll always haunt him. Because they'll say, I could have, if only I would have, it could have. They'll always have these things. And that's what makes MacArthur the great leader. That's what makes a fireman a great fireman. Because they take responsibility for the people they've been entrusted to rescue. 
It's the same with Moses. It's just the same with Moses. Moses could be rated. Moses rates himself for his success, for his failure, based on the number of Jewish people he's able to bring out of Egypt and into Canaan compared to the total number of people, Jewish people. So now, let's see. Let's do the calculation. Let's do what Moses did in his mind. Let's just see how many of the 1.5 Jewish people who were above the age of accountability that Moses was actually able to bring into Canaan. I mean, how many? Let's find out. How many of the 1.5 Jewish people that Moses was able to see come out of Egypt and go into Canaan? That's the mission. Well, the number is recorded for us in Numbers 14.28, where God says to Moses, Say unto them, As truly as I live, saith the Lord, as ye have spoken in my ears, so will I do to you. Your carcasses shall fall in this wilderness, and all that were numbered of you, according to your whole number, from twenty years old and upward, which have murmured against me, doubtless ye shall not come into the land concerning which I swear to make you dwell therein, save Caleb the son of Jephunneh and Joshua the son of Nun, but your little ones which you said should be a prey, them will I bring in, and they shall know the land which ye have despised. But as for you, your carcasses, they shall fall in this wilderness, and your children shall wander in the wilderness forty years and bear your whoredoms until your carcasses be wasted in the wilderness. All right, we got the number. So of the one and a half million Jewish people above the age of accountability, Only two went into Canaan. That's all. Just two. Two. Names, Joshua and Caleb. You do the calculation. Two divided by 1.5 million. What's the percentage of that? Moses was 0.0001% successful. And Moses had failed 99.9999%. Moses was a 99.999% failure in accomplishing the mission that God had called him to. He had failed to bring in 99.9999% of the Jewish people above the age of accountability into the land of Canaan. And just like MacArthur, there's nothing that anyone could say to Moses to make him feel anything else except a failure. Because Moses looked at 100% of the Jewish people that he led out to Egypt, that he stood on that mountain that God told him to look around and see. And he said, as any good leader would say, if it kills me, I'll bring all these people into Canaan. I'm giving my life to accomplish God's mission. And in the end, Moses realized that of all those people, all those one and a half million people, uh, Jewish people above the age of accountability, only two, just two. And Moses would have said, I failed, I failed, I failed. And God knew. God knew that that was going to happen. So before Moses set out, God packed into Moses' backpack a very, very special token. Moses, trust me, you're going to need this token I've given it to you. And Moses would never forget, as he looked at that token, God sent me.
Thank you for joining us today. Now, we get a lot of calls, emails, and feedback on how you love the Friendship with God radio program. And what makes that so distinct is that Tom Cantor uses the New Testament as a commentary on the Old Testament. By seeing the oneness of the Old and the New Testament, Tom brings to life the grace of God in the Old Testament by showing how God deals with the universal lostness of man and the everlasting covenant of love that God has for the Jewish people and for you today. Now, many of you have been listening to the Friendship with God radio program for a while, and you've been enjoying Tom Cantor's teaching from the Word of God. Now, you may not know much about Tom Cantor. So who is Tom Cantor? Tom Cantor is an amazing man of faith and also a great Bible teacher, of course, that you know from this program. But Tom Cantor is also a successful Jewish businessman. Part of his success in business is being the CEO and president of Scanabody's Laboratory. It's one of the largest privately held biotech companies in the world. Now, Tom teaches every Sunday at the Mission Valley Community Chapel located here in San Diego, California. And Tom is also the founder of several ministries, the Light and Life Foundation, as well as Israel Restoration Ministries. Israel Restoration Ministries reaches over a million lost Jewish people a year. We have hundreds of volunteer and part-time missionaries, as well as a few full-time missionaries that go out and take the gospel to the Jewish people. Now, if you'd like to work with Israel Restoration Ministries and be a full-time gospel missionary to the Jewish people in the Southern California area, we've got an opportunity for you. Or maybe you'd like to be a part-time volunteer missionary to the Jewish people and you'd like to work with us, well, we want you to call us today at 1-800-247-3051. 1-800-247-3051. We're looking for people that are interested in going door-to-door or building relationships with people right where they're at, joining up with us and our coordinated events where we go to colleges and also retirement homes and other public events to try to reach Jewish people. If you'd like to join us as a volunteer working part-time or full-time, go to friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org to learn more information or 1-800-247-3051.